welcome again to the Command Team Corner. Today we're with Chief Warrant Officer 5 Dave Holton, who in just a few months will be retiring after 31 years of service, including more than 29 years in the Special Forces Regiment. In today's episode, we asked Chief Holton to reflect on his career, the mentors who made an impact along the way, and how his transition to civilian life is going. So let's get to the show. Chief, as we've noted, you've had a long and distinguished career. What about your career will stick with you long after you retire? Maybe something you'll tell your grandkids about one day. Great question, and one that I've actually pondered over the last probably year as we made our decision to retire from the military. And the first thing that always comes to mind for me is the people. And when I say people, I really mean the resiliency of the many people that I've met over the years. I cannot think of a profession that is more challenging yet stressful at times. And this especially holds true during a time of crisis. I've witnessed in my trips to Dover where I went up there to welcome home our national treasures after they paid the ultimate sacrifice for for all of us. And it is a, a service member who beat all the odds of ever serving on an ODA again after sustaining significant injuries in combat. You know, I look back to it, it could be the civil disturbances that we lived through and we continue to live through. I'm refreshed when we talk about people, the reconnection we have to our diversity, welfare and inclusion efforts that we have ongoing. That really is what I consider speaks to resilience. And I think of resiliency within people. But most importantly, I would always default to the families. That really speaks volumes to everything that I think of in terms of resiliency, just due to the fact that when their loved one, their service member is either deployed to a TDY location or a stressful combat tour, it is always that family member that's back there and they're holding the fort down. They're getting kids to school. They're getting dogs and cats taken to the vet. They're making sure that the house continues to run. So those are things that that I am really, really, truly, truly remarkable to watch over the years, almost three decades, if you think about it, is really the people. So that's always what I would start off with. The other one, quite honestly, is simply opportunities that were afforded to me over the years And then can't help but think about every single day you learn something new from somebody that you get to interact with, whether it's a work environment or during your normal day-to-day activities, whether you're shopping at the commissary and you run into somebody or the infamous gate card because we live on posts, hoses a question to me or, or to my wife. So those are really a lot of things I look forward to sharing those stories of the people that I've had a chance to interact with from different cultures, from different countries. We've been fortunate enough to live overseas three times. And every one of those times we immersed ourselves in the local economy. We lived off of a military post because we wanted to really immerse ourselves with that culture. So those are really the two biggest things that I can think of that I will always cherish those memories and continue to learn and grow from everybody that I've really interacted with over the years. Has there been a time in your career that you've thought to yourself, man, I can't believe I'm getting to do this right now? So I had the opportunity to work in in Germany, and we'll put it in perspective. Why was this a special time or moment in my life and career? Well, it's because, number one, we were living in Germany. Number two, my wife was working at Special Operations Command Europe. I was working at 1st to 10th Special Forces Group. And then, ironically, my brother 
was also serving in the military, was assigned to Special Operations Command Europe. So during that two to three years, we had very, very close family relations because we were all stationed in Stuttgart, Germany at the time. So we often think back because I got to watch my nieces and nephews kind of grow up for those three years. My brother had to deploy or I had to deploy, but then we had family members there. And then it's always kind of cool when you walk into a building and then you you see your wife or you see your brother and, and we're all pretty much serving the same purpose for our great nation. Chief, it's clear that people are what you care about the most. I'd like to keep on that theme and ask about mentors you've had throughout your career. Who made the biggest impacts on you and what would you say to them today if you saw them? So I would bend my mentors in kind of three categories, if you will. One, first and foremost, my single most important mentor that I've had throughout my whole life is my father, quite honestly, because he served in the military and you kind of watched what he did throughout his 26 years in service. And then you're kind of like, wow, that's pretty cool. And then you couple that with we got to travel and see a lot of different places while we PCSed around. And I kind of really enjoyed that. But my father really, unbeknownst to me until later in life, was kind of that mentor early on. And then I would also say early on, it was my brother, because I never really envisioned myself being in the military. I really joined the military because, quite honestly, it was for college money to kind of better myself on the way out, gain some some life experiences, travel the world a little bit, and then, oh, by the way, get a little college money going. One thing led to another. More opportunities presented itself. I really enjoyed what I was doing. I started to steep myself into that. So early on, mentors, definitely family by far as I got into the military. And then I was not in the army long when I made the decision to transition the special forces. Once I made that transition and got stationed overseas, I think one of my biggest mentors right off the bat was my team sergeant. I still remember him today, you know, Master Sergeant Marty Green. Took me in, brand new E5, right out of the Q course, and really, really spent time developing me and kind of leading me in what I consider the righteous path. Later on in my career, it really turned into another team sergeant who actually pushed me to apply for the warrant officer program, which is ironic, right? Because no team sergeant really wants to lose one of his good NCOs to become a warrant officer, but he pushed me along the way. Command Sergeant Major retired Chuck Sikowski, who I remain in close contact to this day. And I watched his family grow up. He's watched my family grow up. Once I transitioned to become a warrant officer, quite honestly, there was a couple of really warrant officers because at that point I entered a new career, if you will. So I kind of gravitated to some of my peers and then senior warrant officers. One in particular was CW5 Bell. He was the 10th group command chief warrant officer there. And he kind of took a, I guess you could say a liking to me due to maybe it was my work ethic and then my professionalism. But he kind of guided me along the way, mapped out potential career opportunities, suggestions along the way. And he was always somebody that I can go back to with a question and then get an answer, good, bad, or indifferent at the end of the day. To this day, it really continues to be some of those team sergeants and then a lot of my peers along the way. But then probably the most important mentor in my whole army career and life for that matter has been my wife, quite honestly, who is also in the service. So she shared a lot of her experiences and she was an officer. That really actually helped me along the way too, because she had already met some of those challenges that I was beginning to enter. Um, What would I say to all those folks is 
is really just two words. Thank you. You know, thank you for investing in me. Thank you for seeing something in me that I may not have seen at the time. And just thank you for, for all they've done to get me to where I'm at today. I'd like to ask you about how your transition to civilian life's going. You told me before that although you're a military brat and have lived all over the world, San Antonio's home. Is that where you're headed? And how has the transition been for you and your family? What's next? First thing we had to come to realize is that we're retiring from the military. You know, we're not retiring in the sense that we're going to go live somewhere for the rest of our lives. That's the joy of kind of going out on your own terms, if you will. We've come to grips and basically framed it as we're retiring from the military. There's still life after the military. There's new doors that we're going to open. We don't really know what's behind those doors yet, but put ourselves in a better place to think that way. We're treating it as another PCS move, quite honestly, because we have to move our stuff. We have to go to a new location. And we've decided that we're going to start our military retirement life in Tampa, Florida, which is ironic because my wife's from Michigan and I call San Antonio home. We decided, yeah, Michigan, too cold. San Antonio, maybe too hot. So let's start off in Florida. We have no idea what we're going to get into, but I think that's really the most interesting part of the journey that we're going through. But it really helped to kind of put things in perspective to kind of say, hey, look, we're going to treat this like another PCS move. We're going to go down there. We're going to enjoy ourselves. And then whatever opportunities may present themselves that interest us, those are ones that we'll probably pursue. Is there anything you've learned along the way that you can pass on to someone about to go through this transition process or who may be considering if they should even leave the service? You have to start off asking yourself, you know, what is it that you potentially enjoy and something that will keep you passionate about something as you transition out of the military. The other thing is there's a bunch of folks that have transitioned out of the military. And my single best piece of advice is reach out, find out what challenged them, what are some of the lessons they learned along the way to kind of help smooth out the transition. I'm in a unique position where I sign out on terminal leave 29 April but I'm still at work, working as hard as I can. But it's not impossible. You just have to kind of map out key dates and stuff like that to make sure you're making all your appointments and prepare in a timely manner. One of the first things we did is just kind of sit down and say, okay, number one, is this what we want to do? And when we made that decision, everything else just started to slowly kind of fall in place. There's some stressful times. Life, life always throws you some stressors. It's just how well you react and your best friend, your teammate, your spouse, it's how you two actually grapple those problems and kind of map out a roadmap. It's nothing that we're not used to, but there are so many people out there and organizations willing to help you transition through this process so you don't have to do it by yourself. This has been another episode of the Command Team Corner. If you have topics you'd like to see addressed by the Command Team, submit them on the Commander's blog located on the first Special Forces Command portal page. Or send us a DM on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Thanks for listening.